Well, that's a great song to sing and pray as we study the letter of James. We pray that God would open our eyes and that God would open our ears to hear His voice. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been working through this letter of James using the image of looking into a mirror. It's not an image that's original with me. It actually comes from James himself, James chapter 1, verse 23. And I think the letter of James, maybe even more so than the other books of the Bible, really lends itself for the Spirit to, to do the work of really showing us what we need to work on as individuals, as a, a church family. One of the chief concerns of James is what's on the heart of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is the call for the church to live a life of authenticity, that our words would match up our deeds in integrity now last week we talked about the taming of the tongue. And James says that the tongue is uncontrollable. It is a fire that sets the whole body ablaze like a forest fire. And then he names the source of that fire. He says the fire is ignited by hell itself. And so we, we pulled the curtain back a little bit and looked at the source of speech that's gone awry in this world. And it's, there's some demonic forces at work when it comes to speech. But in hearing that harsh description of speech last week, we also heard the good news that Jesus has disarmed those powers. At the cross, He took those powers captive. So we, as the people of God, have the capacity, we have the power to control our tongues and to be that alternative vision for a fallen world gone mad with speech. And the fallen world needs the church to be the church more than ever, especially when it comes to speech witnessing to the transforming power of Christ within us. And so our passage this morning is really a continuation of last week. So with, with the idea of teachers in mind, James brought out their, the destruction of their tongue and destroying community. But in the passage this week, he starts out with a question. And he asks this, Who is wise and understanding among you. Who is wise? Well, before we hear what James has to say, let's pause and let's think through that question ourselves. Let's get the answer in our own mind. So when I say the word wise, what face comes to your mind? Think on that. And if you have that person, you might ask yourself, well, why? Why do I deem this person to be wise? What is it about that person that really embodies wisdom? A couple other follow-up questions. Whenever we come to a situation where wisdom is needed, where do we go? What are our sources for wisdom? Well, maybe there were some faces that came to your mind, faces in this room, maybe faces from back home, maybe faces that are no longer with us when we think of people who are, who were wise. But as we've taken a moment to think about wisdom, let's hear what James has to say about true wisdom. James chapter 3, 
beginning in verse 13. Hear the word of God. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. May God bless the reading of his word. I think we heard some overlap between that passage and the passage that Joe read earlier about what we are to put on as the people of God. And you might want to take some time this week to look at those two lists and compare. One person whom I consider to be wise is a man named G.K. Chesterton. He was a British theologian, poet, writer of detective novels back in the 20th century. And he has this quote that I've shared before, but I'll share it again. He said, I left the fairy tales lying on the floor of the nursery... And I've not found any books so sensible yet, so sensible since. And if you've heard my preaching for any length of time, you know that I take these words to heart. And so many of the great Christian thinkers, uh, G.K. Chesterton, George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis, they were heavily influenced by the fairy tales, these stories that, that plainly speak of the need for moral transformation, the need for character development. Well, there was one fairy tale that just popped in my mind this week as I read this passage over and over again, and I'm going to need some help from the children here this morning. So I want our children to be listening because I need some help. I forgot the title of this fairy tale. It's about a little girl who's walking in the woods, and she's wearing this red cloak and this red hood, and I forgot her name. Can you think of it? Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Little Red Riding Hood was on her way to grandmother's house, and she was carrying something. I can't remember what she was carrying. A basket with food in it. Okay. And she was taking it to her grandmother, who was sick, but she met a stranger on the way. Do you remember who the stranger was? The big bad wolf. That's right. Well, this wolf appeared nice, though, at the beginning. He had a conversation with Little Red Riding Hood. He said, where are you going? And she said, I'm going to grandmother's. And he said, where's grandmother's? And she told him where grandmother lived. And then the big bad wolf said, well, if you go and here's what you should do, little red riding hood, go and pick some flowers for your grandmother. That would be so sweet if you do that. And so she does that. And when she does that, the wolf takes off to grandmother's house and gobbles up grandmother. And then later on, the little red, little red riding hood came to grandmother's house and the wolf was in disguise there in the bed and the wolf called out to her acting like grandmother and little red riding hood walked into the room and she noticed a few things that were different the eyes the ears the teeth the voice that wasn't grandmother's 
But Little Red Riding Hood didn't figure things out until it was too late. And then she was gobbled up too. Thankfully, a woodcutter came in and rescued Little Red Riding Hood and her grandmother from the tummy of the wolf. I have no comment about that last part. (laughs) I didn't write it. Well, thank you for your help, children, because that's, that's one of the greatest stories, children's stories, that we've heard. It's been passed on for the generations. It is, it's one of those that we have grabbed a hold of as a people, really, all over the world. And I think one of the most fascinating things about that story is, is the main theme of it is really a theme that's, that's revisited in so many of the fairy tales and really a theme we find in our sermon passage this morning, and that is the call for discernment. The need for discernment. Who is wise, James asks. Well, I think when he, when he brings out that question, he has those same teachers in mind that we talked about last week, these teachers who are destroying the community with their tongue, with their speech, And so it makes a lot of sense that James would say, let's be discerning about who we think is wise. Who in the world is wise? I think it's human nature to to follow those whom we deem to be wise. And so James says, who is wise? How do you know they're wise? How do you know that voice that seems to be helping you is not really seeking to devour you like a wolf? It's not unlike what Jesus says to his disciples whenever he sends them out on that mission. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. So the wolf seems to be this universal symbol of craftiness and someone who's seeking to devour and I think it's difficult for that early church to, to hear that when, when they think about the voices they were hearing. You've got to remember, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have a nice Bible to turn to. They were actually in the middle of the New Testament people of God there at the beginning. So discerning voices, discerning true wisdom was a real challenge for that church, those churches. But that wasn't just a challenge for them. That's really the challenge of the church in any age, to discern, to sift out all the different sources of wisdom that we are hit with on a daily basis. And I think that's especially difficult today with the advent of the Internet, with information overload, where even watching the news takes a special lens to figure out what's fake, what's true, where's this source coming from. We go to the doctor and we find out we have some type of medical condition. What do we do? We go home and we start to do some research. And then we find ten different experts who say ten different things. It's almost as if we live in a world where wisdom is everywhere, which means that wisdom is really nowhere when we think about it. Well, we could go on all day about the different sources of wisdom and trying to figure out that, but... My big concern this morning and what's on my heart is this group right here, these teenagers who are very graced and we have watched them, some from up close, some from afar. We've seen you go to Tulsa. We've seen you go to Camp Blue Haven. We've seen God do amazing things 
through you at Camp Agape. Admittedly, I, I have some anxiety about you, really the whole church. But right now it's, it's you because I think you're being bombarded with a lot of different things. And some of you are about to be sent out, literally sent out as sheep among wolves. Think about all the different voices that you're going to hear. Voices that sound like the wisdom of grandmother, but they're not. You're going to hear voices that will seek to destroy you. And it takes training. It takes experience. But most of all, it takes the Spirit of God helping us to decipher and to say, you know, the ears and the eyes and the teeth, the voice doesn't sound right with that. There's something a little off there. I'll give you some examples of things you already know, things you already hear. The worldly wisdom that we're surrounded with tells us that if you want to be happy, you have to serve yourself. You have to obey your own thirst. You deserve what's best for you. You're going to hear stories. You're going to hear wisdom about what love is and about picking a mate. That love is all about eros. It's all about the physical. You're going to hear some worldly wisdom that says, you know, if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, make sure that you, uh, you live with her first before entering into a covenant of marriage. You have to try things out first. Make sure that everything will work out. You're going to hear voices that speak of the joy of escape through substances, through novelty, through whatever. You're going to hear voices, and these are the voices I heard when I was your age, that will lead you into financial bondage, a credit card that says, just spend, spend, spend. Don't worry about the consequences, just spend. You're going to hear voices when you go off to college, and there are some great, great professors, no doubt, but there are some professors who speak in such a matter-of-fact way, but when you peel back the layers of what they're actually saying, it sounds like wisdom, but really it's foolishness. And you're already surrounded with this idea of there is no truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And if you were to actually say truth, then you would be labeled. You would be ostracized. It's not easy. It's not easy what you're growing up in in a way that's different than what I had to deal with. There are some things that are common. There are some things that require great discernment on your part. And there have been many who have gone before you who have been gobbled up by the wolf, just to be frank, because they could not discern true wisdom. And so, yeah, I have some anxiety about you. I have some anxiety about my own children who are growing up in this world. And it's not just you. It's, it's the whole church trying to, to find the true wisdom that sustains, that is true in a world where wisdom is everywhere, but it is nowhere all at the same time. But that's not entirely true, though. There is wisdom to be had. If we look in the right place, and James is a great place to start when it comes to wisdom, because James says there is a place. There are some things we can do to train our eyes to see and our ears to hear when it comes to true wisdom. And what he says is you have to evaluate. 
And the way you evaluate is you look at the progression of wisdom. So on the back of your order of worships, there's a little chart there at the bottom. And in our passage, there are two types of wisdom that James brings out, the wisdom from below and the wisdom from above. And he names the sources of these two types of wisdom, the character traits or maybe signs, symptoms is a better word for it, and then the end result, the fruit that is produced by this wisdom. Let's look at the left column first, the wisdom from below. So in verse 15, the source of that wisdom from below, it's earthly, it's unspiritual. Not that it doesn't have a spiritual dynamic there, but it's, it's fleshly. And then he does name the spiritual. He calls it devilish in one translation. Demonic. That is the source of the wisdom from below. The character traits we find in verse 14. Bitter jealousy. Selfish ambition. Being boastful. False speech. And the end result of that is in verse 16. Chaos, it's disorder. Every vile practice. The progression of the wisdom from below. Contrasted with the wisdom from above, verse 17, just in the name wisdom from above, the source is God. Godly wisdom. The signs there are in verse 17. And think to what Joe read earlier and how these correspond. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere, literally without hypocrisy. And the end result of that is verse 18. It's peace. It's shalom in the, in the Jewish sense, the wholeness. Not just the absence of fighting or the absence of war, but it is a, a union, a unity, a wholeness of the person, a wholeness of the community, a wholeness in our relationships. That's the biblical vision of peace. Shalom. So what James is saying here is that wisdom is not just reduced to some cerebral thing, as we think of wisdom, it is action-oriented. Who is wise among you, he says? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, admittedly, this test for wisdom is not always easy to see right away. But James is confident that given some time, whether he's talking about the teachers or whether he's talking about general wisdom, the fruit of that is going to bear itself out. We will be able to tell. We will be able to discern when the words don't match the actions. And we can see it as the community of faith if we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. So what I hear as a word for Brentwood Oaks this morning, especially for our teenagers, but for all of us, is to have our radar up and directed to discerning true wisdom in a city or in the cities where you will go, cities where demonic wisdom is everywhere. It is rampant. And we can see it by the grace of God. It's the call to take our time, 
To not grab a hold of everything that looks like wisdom. To do what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, to test everything. Test it. Consider the source. Ask questions. This morning we also have the invitation to do as we've been doing the last three weeks, and that is to look into the mirror at ourselves. To think about the selfish ambition and the bitter envy that James speaks about in these teachers, well, maybe, maybe we're seeing that welling up inside of us. Maybe when we look in the mirror, we see parts of that wolf that are bearing itself out in our relationships, in our marriages, in the community, and so we, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. Do I find myself constantly in the middle of disorder? Does it disorder follow me? Does chaos follow me? Wherever I go, there seems to be strife. Well, if that's the case, then we need to take a step back, take a hard look in the mirror and think, what is the source of our wisdom? Maybe we're feeding ourselves some things that are not so wise. Maybe some earthly demonic things. Maybe we need to take a fast from some of those things. Maybe our entertainment is too dark. Maybe we need to take a break from talk radio. Whatever it is we're feeding ourselves, it's bearing itself out. Are we keeping our selfishness and our thirst for power in check? Or do we find ourselves embodying that, that ancient prayer from St. Francis? Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Are we instruments of peace? Shalom. That's the heart of the gospel. It was for shalom why Jesus went to the cross. God reconciling humanity, reconciling the whole world to himself, the peace that we experience. Through the cross, even in our relationships with one another, the peace that comes from God, the shalom of Christ that we participate in as believers. Or as James says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That is the wisdom from above. That's the wisdom that finds its source in God. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Sons of God. From Colossians 3. May God give us the peace that will rule in our hearts this week as we embody the gospel and as we take on that wisdom from above and make it our own. Let it be so by the grace and the power of Christ and His people. This morning, if we have looked in the mirror and we don't like what we see, we have the opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus, the transforming power of Jesus, the redeeming power of Jesus. Everyone in here, to borrow a phrase, is welcome to come as we are, and Jesus meets us there, but none of us are allowed to stay as we are. And by God's grace, that is possible. If you'd like to respond to the good news, of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.